1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Big Blue Banter Podcast. I am the host, Nick Folato, and unfortunately, Dan Schneier cannot be joining us. He is enjoying some of the best barbecue that the United States has to offer down there in Texas. I really hope that he's enjoying it down there, and I'm sure we're going to chalk it up and talk about his trip once he returns to this glorious podcast. But we have to go over the 2022 NFL scouting combine that starts in less than a week. It starts Tuesday, March 1st, and extends through Monday, March 7th. Look, I love the combine. It's the underwear Olympics. Do I believe that some drills are overanalyzed? Yes. But at the same time, these drills are important because they do lay a foundation of what this player is capable of. And there have been plenty of times throughout the history of the Combine where someone, you might've watched their tape and just thought, okay, this guy, a little ho-hum, then they show up to the combine and they run a very fast time or they have a really quick three cone. And then that causes you to go back to their tape with a different eye and a different perspective. And sometimes that can lead you to different conclusions. So I do believe there is value in having all 32 teams, every evaluator in the NFL, in one location, for you to test under stressful circumstances, mind you. I do believe there is some value in that. Every evaluator from every team is not going to be able to attend your pro day. It's just not the way that schedule is set up with so many pro days concurrently running on opposite sides of the nation. So let's talk about these drills real quick. Let's dive into these drills. There are a few major drills that are synonymous with the combine. First, the 40-yard dash, then you have the vertical jump, the broad jump, the 20-yard shuttle, the three-cone drill, and the bench press. I think some drills are a little bit more important than others. And I also think the positional drills are probably the most valuable in certain situations, which are obviously position-specific. You have the running backs who do all the receiving drills. You have the gauntlet for the tight ends and the wide receivers. You have the quarterbacks throwing a variety of different passes. But let's go back to those main drills, those core drills. The 40-yard dash. You run 40 yards and from that you can judge their 10 yard split their 20 yard split the 10 yard split is very very important especially for those pass rushers because you want to see how quick they get off the line of scrimmage how quick can they get up the pass rushing arc so that's something that is evaluated and i feel like it's a good tool to utilize and if it checks out on tape checks out on the film then you have yourself a conclusion based on this said player and what he can do so the fastest 40 yard dash ever in combine history was john ross back in 2017 that was a 4-2-2-40 not quite certain if there's going to be anybody with the capabilities of beating that defeating that in this specific combine but there should be some guys who teeter around that 4-2-9-4-3 type of area the vertical jump that is a pure test of lower body explosiveness and your ability to explode through your hips and upward there's no running you're at a static position and you just jump through yourself essentially and the highest vertical jump was actually 46 inches by defensive back Gerald Sensabaugh in 2005. I remember playing against that dude in Madden. I remember throwing a lot of passes to a lot of Giants receivers in Madden back when I was in high school back in the day against Gerald Sensabaugh. Did not know he could jump through the building. The 20-yard shuttle is a way to find a player's lateral speed and judge their overall agility similar to the three-cone three cone is also known as the l drill that's more of an agility type of drill but it's also a balance and change of direction drill three cone is i would say very important for wide receivers it's very important for defensive backs the three cone record was set by jt thomas back in 2018 which was a 6 8 it's absolutely ridiculous You go to some defensive linemen who have ran fast three cones, indicating that they're going to be really adept in terms of stunts, especially as a looper, your ability to change direction in close quarters. J.J. Watt back in 2011 ran a 6.88. Sam Hubbard in 2018, I believe it was, was a little bit better than that as well. Barcavius Mingo in 2013, somebody who was judged as a bust but kind of stuck around the league as a role player for a while, ran a 6.84. And then DK Metcalf famously ran a slow a really slow three cone I think it was in like the seven fours I don't have the numbers in front of me and it resulted in him falling in the draft which seems like it was probably a mistake and it was overanalyzed. the broad jump is another way to measure lower body explosiveness Byron Jones has that at 12 feet and three inches which is absolutely ridiculous slightly different muscle groups that are used but you're still exploding through your hips showing that lower body power and it's a valuable measurement for every position but when you look at offensive linemen who can really explode through their hips that is a really opposite way to measure an offensive lineman's ability to explode off the line of scrimmage specifically in the run game when you're moving forward and then you have the bench press that's self-explanatory a lot of players have kind of come and gone and just absolutely dominated the bench press the record is sent by justin ernest in 1999 it was 51 reps bench press is 225 pounds how many times you could do it until all that lactic acid builds up and then you cannot lift that weight anymore now those are the drills spent couple minutes talking about them but the main reason for the combine is not just to get everybody together in their underwear and run all of these drills the primary reason is to get the medical checks it's to get every team all 32 teams in one location and have their doctors evaluate all of the red flagged individuals who are going to be drafted and it's one way to kind of knock it all out of the park and it really sucks for these kids to be honest because they're going to have to perform Similar drills and similar examinations, depending on how far along they are in their recovery, for possibly 20 teams. If those 20 teams are interested, it could be all 32 teams. So that's kind of taxing, definitely tiresome for a lot of these players. And some of the players that come to my mind. Specifically on the offense, you have quarterback Carson Strong from Nevada, running back Zamir White from Georgia. He's somebody who was an excellent track star in high school, very, very fast. Pretty sure he ran like a 10,500 meter dash, but he tore his ACL in both of his knees. This season, he was one of the primary running backs for Georgia. He definitely still has burst, wiggle, good vision, change of direction, his agility. He anticipates blocks really well and I believe he cuts off of them well. I'm watching George's tape right now and I'm actually really impressed with Zamir White, but I think these medicals are going to be telling as to where he's going to be selected. I don't know if there's a chronic issue there. And I also think it could zap some of that elite athletic ability that he displayed back when he was in high school from a testing standpoint. So that could drop him in the draft. So I think this is a big week for Zamir White. Wide receiver Jameson Williams, he's not going to be able to test or anything because he tore his ACL in the national championship game. But I'm sure doctors would still like to look and see where he's at in his recovery. Same with his teammate John Mechie III. I think Drake London, who fractured his ankle at the end of the season, he's going to have a lot of questions. Same with Justin Ross, the Clemson wide receiver, had a significant back injury that almost kind of ended his football career a couple years ago, and then he's also had ankle injuries, I believe, since then. A little bit slow to return. A lot of people thought Justin Ross was going to be the next, you know, Mike Williams or... Sammy Watkins or possibly even a DeAndre Hopkins coming out of Clemson and these injuries kind of derailed him he's definitely going to be evaluated by a lot of teams I remember him being mocked all the time to the Giants in the top 10 if we go back a ways and then George Pickens who was injured for most of 2021 towards acl and i think it was in the spring ball and then he came back towards the end of the year he made a big catch in the national championship game down the field but i think he only had like four or five catches in the 2021 season he wasn't there so i think teams are still going to look and say how far along was he in that recovery was he fully able to do all the things and he's probably going to be overanalyzed you look at the defense one player that just comes to my mind is Derek stingley jr i'm not sure if he's that's a cornerback from lsu i'm not 100 sure if he's going to test at the combine he might because the liz frank injury was a little while ago but he still probably will wait if he is healthy enough and then just test at his pro day when he's most comfortable but he's definitely going to be analyzed as well as he should be and there could be several big name guys who opt not to test during the combine because the conditions aren't optimal and just wait for them to test at their pro day so the nfl gets their numbers in front of specific eyeballs from certain teams that will be down at their pro day some of the agents almost boycotted some of the restrictions that the NFL was going to impose on the combine in this bubble type of fashion but the NFL backed off but there still might be players who are going to be like hey it might just be best if I do it at my pro day because it's still a pretty arduous schedule especially if you had injuries and you're going through a lot of different injury checks all the time it may not be best for you to do one drill, and then follow that up a little bit later while you're also going through all of these meetings. You're in a high-stress environment. You're constantly being evaluated. You could just do all of those interviews, prove your intangibles, get your medical checks done, and then wait for all the athletic testing at the Pro Day, which some players may opt to do. We'll wait. We'll see. And the other big portion of this combine, I just referenced it, is... The intangibles, medicals and intangibles. Those are the most important parts of the combine. And that's where I'm going to segue into the quarterback position. And I want to talk about Matt Corral because I think he could be a potential winner here. I really do. You got to look at Matt Corral's situation. He was one of the big players five quarterbacks that was not at the Reese's senior bowl so you had Malik Willis from Liberty Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati Sam Howell from North Carolina and Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh they were all down there and while none of them necessarily hurt their stock none of them really rose to the occasion either now Malik Willis he had his ups and he had his downs but Matt Corral was not there because he was a redshirt junior he wasn't eligible to be down there for Ole Miss and he also suffered that ankle injury at the end of the year but it's not a serious one now if he can go to the combine and look really good throwing the football which I believe he can he has a good arm he's athletic he can move well then I think he might solidify himself up there with say Malik Willis who is kind of the I don't want to say consensus number one because he's not by any means a lot of people still like Kenny Pickett I think Corral has an opportunity right now to position himself with a good combine to leave a lasting impression on the NFL evaluators who are probably eager to look at him, the ones who are really desperate to get their hands on a quarterback. Now, with Matt Corral coming from the Ole Miss system, it's not a conventional passing system, so he's going to have to prove a lot of things. Because first, now I'm not speaking out of turn here, this has all been reported on, He's talked about how he had a drinking problem at one point and to his credit, and to his character, he said that he doesn't drink anymore and that's been rectified. But that's still going to be something people want to address. I think he had a bizarre story dating back to it was either high school or early in college where he got into a fight with Wayne Gretzky's son, which resulted in him transferring from schools. That's just kind of bizarre. And I think that could lead to immaturity questions. Now, I'm not saying Matt Corral is immature, but I know NFL teams are going to want to do their due diligence on a player who they're about to invest a first round pick in and with Matt Corral you can see it from an arm talent standpoint you could see it from a mobility standpoint but can he impress you on the chalkboard on the whiteboard can he impress you with his leadership skills and those are questions that can be answered at the combine and he can answer them with really really good interviews and with his ability on the field to show that he can make all the nfl throws so i think he could come away from this event after not being at the senior bowl as a possible winner of the off season before the draft i think that is something that can happen now matt corral he's not the biggest guy but there's not a lot of huge quarterbacks down there at the combine you're gonna have carson strong there desmond ritter's a big guy you know jack cone he carries his weight well dustin Crum is there he's another bigger guy then you have that six foot seven dude who's gonna be down there as well who we'll talk about in a little bit the kid from southeastern Louisiana Cole Kelly but Matt Corral can make some money and I think a lot of these quarterbacks can because it's still a tight race and another one who I think is going to look excellent throwing the football is Malik Willis you get that guy in underwear man he's a thick lower body the way he can kind of run off platform and throw across his body he can throw from the far hash deep outside of the numbers he can make all the NFL throws I think he's gonna wow people down there I think Malik Willis can still make a lot of money for himself in Indianapolis. I think Desmond Ritter can show off arm strength. You watch Desmond Ritter's film, the accuracy isn't always there, which is problematic. But there are times where he rears back and he throws the ball pretty damn far. And you're like, wow, man, that traveled like 55, 60 yards in the air. That's, that's impressive stuff right there. So I think he's another name that, that could. He's one of those fringe, big five, big six type of guys. Where is he going to go in the draft? He gets first round buzz. I want to talk about somebody who could surprise and that is Jack Cohn and I wish Dan was here because I want to hear Dan's reaction Jack Cohn was the Wisconsin quarterback for several years and he transferred for his final year to Notre Dame once Wisconsin committed to Graham Mertz to be their starter and Jack Cohn look he's somebody who's going to keep the offense in rhythm he has a nice frame he carries his weight well he's about six foot three 220 pounds around there. He went down to the East-West Shrine game where he looked, I would say, solid from what I've seen. I did not break down the tape like I did with the Senior Bowl, but he looked solid at the East-West Shrine game from everything that I've heard and seen. And I don't think Jack Cohen is going to be a starter in the NFL, but he could be that backup guy who, in a pinch, you can put him in there and he's not going to crap on himself like Mike Glennon did this season. So I think that's where Jack Cohen is. This is a later type of pick I'm referring to. This is not somebody who's going to be anywhere in day one or day two, but it's somebody that you can bring in and develop, and he has the upside to be a a really good backup in the league who can start in a pinch. i think he has a good size i think he throws the ball relatively well he doesn't have a weak arm and he can keep the offense in rhythm and i think a lot of coaches love that somebody who knows the offense is going to learn the offense is going to adapt to the offense which jack Cohn proved after going to notre dame and taking over that offense so i think that's another name who in his underwear throwing the football may look pretty good and then i'm just interested man before we get the running backs to see cole kelly i don't know anything about cole kelly Okay, I've seen highlight tapes of Cole Kelly, and that's about it. He's a kid out of southeastern Louisiana. It's an FCF school, but the dude is six foot seven, 250 pounds, and he had 625 rushing yards and 16 rushing touchdowns in 2021. He threw for 5,156 yards, 43 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Yes, this is in the FCS level, so these are inflated numbers. But when you see a quarterback that's six foot seven, 250, 255 pounds, that jumps out at you, especially when that dude is running, even against FCS talent. So I want to watch this kid just to see what he's like. I I don't know really much about him. I don't have a lot of analysis to glean on him. But those raw numbers and measurables definitely intrigue me. And as for just two guys who I think can show up to the Combine and show that they're great athletes and they can possibly make a Logan Thomas type of transition to another position, Skylar Thompson, who's not nearly the size of Logan Thomas from Kansas State. And then you also have the kid from Miami, Derek King. A while ago, I remember a lot of people were talking about him when he was a younger prospect. He kind of fell on his face. It didn't necessarily materialize, but he was always a good athlete. And they're both going to be at the combine. And they're at the combine for a reason. Now, teams may not be looking at these players and saying, "You know what? These guys are going to be quarterbacks in the league." They might be looking at him and be like, "There have been several quarterback prospects who have transitioned to other positions and had success." tim tebow now but seriously there had been i mean logan thomas was an amazing tight end two years ago before the injuries that he suffered this year We remember Terrell Pryor out of Ohio State went to the Oakland Raiders and then became a wide receiver for Washington. And who could forget, you know, who's still playing, Taysom Hill. I feel like every freaking year this guy is getting a new contract. Now he's still technically a quarterback, but he's used in a variety of different ways, very creatively, mind you. And there are others as well. So I think those guys and their athletic ability could also possibly make that transition to another position. And this could be a big week for them in a different type of way. You're also going to have sam howell down there i know we brought him up i'm not going to talk too much about the, the big names of guys we kind of went over on the senior bowl podcast before we move on to the running back position let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at blue wire what's going on everyone football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find giants tickets anymore because tick pick that's t-i-c-k P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go To find NFL tickets, TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just want to go check out the Giants, you know, pregame. Hopefully, they win a football game. Then please head on over to TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Giants tickets. That's TickPick.com. Check it out, everyone.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why?
1: But let's transition over to the running back position. Now, the potential winners for the running backs are already guys that are being considered at the top of the running back draft class. And for me, that is, we'll start with James Cook from Georgia. This is Dalvin Cook's younger brother. This is a guy who was going to show up to these receiving drills and absolutely dominate them because that's what he did at Georgia. He was one of the better receiving running backs in college football. He worked in a rotation, but he caught 27 of his 30 targets for 274 yards and four touchdowns. And if you go back to that Michigan game, the playoff game, he had four catches on four targets for 112 yards and a touchdown. So James Cook, he's very, very explosive. Once he gets the football in his hands, he kind of glides similar to his older brother. I don't know if he's gonna be the prospect that Dalvin Cook was, but I think he's gonna test better. Because so if you remember, during the 2017 draft, Dalvin Cook jumped 30 and a half inches in the vertical. He ran a 7-2-7-3 cone. That's in the 11th percentile. The vertical jump in the 10th percentile. And what happened to Dalvin Cook? He slipped a little bit in the draft. Now, he was still drafted on day two, but he slipped a little bit. And now he's one of the best running backs in the league. Now, I don't know if James Cook is Dalvin Cook. I don't believe he is. But from everything I've seen as I'm going through Georgia's offensive film, is every time he's out there, man, you have to pay attention to him. And he's quick and he's explosive and he can beat you with pure speed. So I think he's going to test well and he's going to look Fantastic in the receiving drills because they're going to use him on the wheel route. They're going to use him vertically and he's going to be able to show off the hands, the ability to high point, the concentration and the tracking that is going to get him selected somewhere on day two. And I feel the same way about Kyron Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame. He's somebody who was even more involved in his offense in terms of being a receiving threat, a three down type of guy. He had 45 targets, caught 42 of them. That's a 93% catch rate. And again, it's not like his A dot is all that high, but he's still catching a lot of these footballs. Good concentration. He had 359 yards and three touchdowns. In 2020, he caught 35 of his 43 targets for 311 yards and a touchdown and he again you get him in space you allow him to run routes he runs crisp routes he can sink his hips he can explode in he can explode out and then he concentrates and plucks the ball out of the air it's not a unnatural way to catch the football he's not a body catcher he has the hands to do it and i think Him and Cook are two guys who are going to pass the eye test in Indianapolis in Indy drills. So I like both of those guys. That's not saying all that much because they're both highly regarded running backs right now. I also think Rashad White could be a winner here because Rashad White, he's explosive. Now this is the Arizona State running back. He went down to the Senior Bowl and he looked good. By my estimation, everything I saw, I thought he looked good down there. He's somebody else who was wildly involved in Arizona State's offense. 48 targets, caught 43 of them for 456 yards and a touchdown. Really, really good receiver. He's a bigger back. He's about six foot one-ish, six foot two, 210 pounds around that kind of size, and he he runs kind of high. Sometimes I would say his pad level is a little high, but this is somebody who hit the hole one cut type of guy and he's gone. He has that type of acceleration in that burst with that size in their underwear in Indianapolis. I think it's going to translate to a lot of people being more familiar with the name Rashad White. He was also a member of Bruce Feldman's freak list before the season. Bruce Feldman, somebody who covers college football right now for The Athletic. Before every season, he releases a freak list of some of the most quote-unquote freaky type of athletes in college football. And White was on that list, as was Damian Pierce out of Florida. Now, Damian Pierce went down to the Senior Bowl. He was underutilized in Dan Mullen's offense at Florida. We talked about him on the Senior Bowl podcast And he went down to the Senior Bowl and everyone was talking about him because he made a bunch of impressive plays in pass protection, but he was also running really, really hard, hitting the hole with burst acceleration, changing directions, reacting to what he sees. He just looked really good in the drills. And I don't think the Senior Bowls, other than the game itself, is ever really the, the best way to display your talents as a running back because... Yeah, it can show vision and decisiveness. It doesn't really show the physical aspect of it, but you watch Damian Pierce and then you see his size, you could see the contact balance. You could see the ability for him to just knock players back at the point. I mean, he's 5'9", 220 pounds. This is a bowling ball. He may not run like a Tristan Ebner from Baylor or a Tyler Batty from Missouri, but if he can get in the four fives at that size with his running style and his physicality, that's not too bad. A lot of people project him to run somewhere in the four sixes, so I'm hoping he falls somewhere in that 4.5 type of range, which isn't all that fast. And that also kind of leads me to players with similar builds. Tyler Algier from BYU and Iowa State's Brees Hall. Now, with Algier, this is somebody who is 5'11", 220 pounds. He's around there. A former linebacker, so he's a little bit new to the running back position. But this is somebody who can potentially run 4.4. He was one of the best running backs in the nation in terms of yards after contact. He has that physical brand of football. And if he runs a 4-4, and I haven't gotten to his tape yet, and I'm actually excited to, but if he runs a 4-4 with the ability to run through these arm tackles and lower his shoulder and be a body mover, he can make a lot of money for himself. And I'm interested to see where Brees Hall measures in at. He wasn't a senior bowl guy. He's listed according to PFF. This is the Iowa State running back at 6'1", 220 pounds. He was uber productive for Iowa State. He had over 20 touchdowns in both of the last two seasons. In the last three seasons, he has 50 touchdowns, four fumbles, just under 4,000 yards. And again, this is in the Big 12. Remember, they're a much quicker type of offense so some of the production is inflated but I think a Brees Hall at that size also runs really quick in the 40-yard dash while also showing that he can change direction in the three cone and in the 20-yard shuttle while also looking good in those receiving drills he could also do well for himself I think this running back position is interesting I think there are also guys who are going to be available on day three. Now, some of these guys I've been talking about might be available on day three. Running backs tend to get pushed down the board a little bit. But I think a guy I mentioned a little bit earlier, Tristan Ebner out of Baylor, is somebody who is interesting. This is a a track athlete. He has 4-4 type of speed. I think teams are going to be interested in him as a kick returner. He had two kickoffs, returned for a touchdown back in 2020. He also had one last year. And he was also used as a receiver. Baylor was always trying to get him into space. He had 33 targets, caught 26 of them for 294 yards and two touchdowns. One of those touchdowns went for 41 yards. He had the other one that went for 61 yards. So if you get this guy in space, man, he is gone. A lot of teams are going to be interested in this dude in terms of his special teams ability. And again, that's Tristan Ebner. You also look at his ability to rush the ball. It's pretty solid as well. I mean, he had 209 snaps, but he only received the ball 150 times. For 778 yards, it's an average of 5.2 yards per carry. Again, this is in the Big 12. Keep that in the context. He had two touchdowns, but... He had four fumbles. Now, he only had one fumble prior to that. This is somebody who exercised his extra year of eligibility, but he did put the football on the ground four times, and that's something people are going to be a little leery about, as they should be, because that is a lot of times to fumble in one season. Another interesting player to note, Also had fumbling issues, had three in 2021, but only one prior to that is Snoop Carter out of Ole Miss. This is somebody who had 130 carries for 642 yards and 13 touchdowns. He's about 5'10", 220, 215 pounds. And I'm interested to see how he tests as well. He's a little bit more of an upright runner, kind of reminds me a little bit of... A younger Latavius Murray like a an Oakland Raiders Latavius Murray to go back a couple years but this is somebody who is a thick back with speed he has a really cool name I mean Snoop so I'm really interested to see how he performs as well we're kind of digging deeper these are also you know not all these guys might not even be drafted you know so I'm going after guys who are going to be those day three picks the Giants might realistically look into an option At the end of day two into round four round five depending how all of this shakes out and I think some of these names are interesting names to note some of them can complement Saquon Barkley well if Saquon Barkley is still with the team and others might just be unique offensive weapons for Brian Dable to utilize moving on to some other names and just some other players that I'm interested to see how they perform in the receiving drills and one in particular is one of the top running backs who was going to be in Indianapolis. And that is Michigan State's Kenneth Walker III. This dude's ability to change direction in tight spaces is silly. He's made so many Big Ten linebackers look foolish. And it's pretty fun to watch to be honest just his overall footwork and how he can really bend at the waist to sell like he's going in one direction and then just explode and burst in the opposite direction he's light on his feet quick start stop ability really nice juke move really good contact bounce, lowers his shoulder and can power through an intriguing overall back now he's somebody who transferred from wake forest to michigan state and at both schools he barely caught the football at Wake Forest, you could argue they had a third down guy. Maybe they just didn't want to use him. And then at Michigan State, he did his one year at Michigan State, and they gave him so many carries. He had 16 targets, caught 13 of them for 89 yards and a touchdown. But that offense ran through Kenneth Walker third, and the fact that in college they didn't really want to give him a lot of receiving work gives you some pause. You start to wonder, what, why is that? Because you're somebody who had over 30 carries multiple times. You had over 25 carries a ton of times. You had 1,634 yards on the ground, 18 touchdowns. You averaged 6.2 yards per attempt. I think it's a fair question to ask why you weren't used in this manner. Why were you being subbed out in college on third down? Now, if he goes down to the combine, he shows natural hands, natural route running, looks fluid in space, kind of answers a lot of those questions, then some of those concerns get quelled. Now, you might still have concerns. You go to the coaching staff, ask them, if you're an, ask them if you're an NFL team, hey, what the heck was going on here? And they might have some answers for you. But if he can show that he's a pretty good receiver, he could be the top running back drafted in this class. I mean Kenneth Walker the third, you have Isaiah Spiller. I think Kyron Williams and James Cook are both going to be in that conversation. Alabama's Brian Robinson is another player who could athletically show out down here. He's somebody who maybe struggles a little bit with change of direction and agility or just, I guess, maintaining speed while moving laterally, which is something that's very important in the NFL, where there are a lot of teams who utilize wide zone, stretch zone, kind of get you running laterally before you find a hole, put one foot in the ground and then you go. So Kenneth Walker III, this is a big event for you. He ranked number one in the FBS of yards after contact. He had over 1,000 yards of his 1,634 yards after contact. This dude is a bruiser, and he's not some plodder slow type of back. He actually has some burst. He can hit a home run for you. Other running backs to just kind of... Keep in mind, guys who can have really good combines, I think Saquandre White from South Carolina. He was a transfer from Florida State. He split time with Kevin Harris. He has a good blend of size, burst, with the receiving skills that you want in a modern NFL back. I think he's somebody as well that can come to the combine and be like, I have the receiving skills. I have the bend. I have the explosiveness. Yes, I don't have a ton of college production, but I'm still capable, and I will prove that to you at this event. If you want, you can go check out my 557 yards in the SEC on 89 carries. That is a 6.3 yards per attempt mark. So I think Quandre White is an interesting name out of South Carolina to just monitor throughout this process because it could be a day three pick that might be interesting. Alrighty, let's transition to the wide receiver position. Now, I'm going to go over my potential winners here at this position I'm going to start with somebody who had an excellent senior bowl and that is Christian Watson out of North Dakota State Now, this is somebody man it was going around Twitter this video of him releasing inside off of an outside jab foot and when he planted the outside jab foot and exploded off that foot he bent And it was rare to see a six foot three teetering on six foot four receiver have the type of lower body flexibility to bend like Christian Watson did in this scenario. And I think he can come down to the combine and realistically be a four, four guy. You know, a 4-4-5, 4-4-3, something like that. He has speed, man. And North Dakota State, they are a run-based offense. They utilized him on jet sweeps and touch passes a lot. He is a willing blocker. I brought this up on the Big Blue View show with Joe DeLeon and Chris Flum. I think he is an ideal fit for the San Francisco 49ers and what they do over there with their rushing attack and how they get their receivers involved in their rushing games so often. I think Christian Watson's somebody, man, if he can come down here, prove himself in the gauntlet, if he can come down here, run fast, and then show his agility drills well, validate the lower body explosiveness that is evident on his film, then I really think he is somebody who can be teetering in round two, possibly high in round two. I know this is a deep receiver class, but he's somebody that is impressive. He's somebody that... I feel it could be one of those smaller school wide receivers that ascend to being a really solid contributor on Sunday. Another name is Chris Olave. Look, he was a senior, he declined to go down to the Senior Bowl, and we saw a lot of good receivers down there at the Senior Bowl. But I think he has to go to this event and be like, look, I'm Chris Olave." one of the best receivers in the nation i am effective at all three levels of the field i am an absolute technician as a route runner and i will prove that if you couldn't see my tape through these athletic tests while also testing through the roof in the 40 yard dash time i think he is a 4-4 type of guy he has that deep speed you've seen his release package how he can stack on top of receivers his concentration his hands i think for somebody who is Six foot one, one eighty. He has a totally different body type than the individual I'm about to talk to, but I still think he's going to do well in his athletic testing and in the gauntlet drills. Garrett Wilson, his Ohio State brethren. I don't know if he's gonna test as fast as Chris Olave, but he's also just a technician as a route runner and will more than likely be a first-round pick. But I think the other winner. Is going to be Traylon Burks. Now, Traylon Burks is a six foot three, legit 220, 225 pound wide receiver. Like this guy, according to Bill Parcells, would be a biscuit, maybe a biscuit and a half away from playing tight end. But I think this guy is going to run kind of fast. I think he might crack in the four fours. That's what a lot of people that I respect are saying. You turn on the tape, he's outrunning really fast defensive backs. He's not getting tracked down from behind, which is something we see all too often at the NFL level and in college. And this is down in the SEC. He plays for Arkansas. Traylon Burks, he has like 11-inch hands. This guy's hands are ridiculous. Huge catch radius. Great contested catch type of receiver. He's definitely someone who's going to kill the gauntlet. I mean, with those hands, they're like freaking magnets to footballs. But... I will say one thing that could hinder his draft stock because he could realistically be the first receiver off the board. But I think something that can hinder his draft stock is that three cone. I'm not 100% certain how he's going to be able to do those 90 degree cuts. How fast can he sink his hips in and out of breaks? Can he quickly decelerate and then explode out of that break? Those are going to be questions that the three cone can help answer. And I think Traylon Burks, if he can answer that adequately, I think he's going to impress a lot of people with his speed in his underwear with the 40-yard dash and then his vertical and his broad jump should also be pretty darn impressive as well so I think he could come away from this as a winner because again man there is no true number one wide receiver with Jamison Williams having a torn ACL. I think Traylon Burks could go number one. I think Chris Olave could. I think Garrett Wilson could. I mean, people are talking about Drake London possibly going number one. I have some concerns about Drake London, the USC wide receiver, 6'5", 210, 215 pounds, another big body type of guy. I'm not 100% certain what his separation ability will be like at the NFL level, and he also is dealing with a fractured ankle like we mentioned before, but he a lot of outlets are saying could possibly go number one. So a really good combine could separate some of these guys. And that's why it's so important. The wide receiver position is extra fun because of that gauntlet drill where wide receivers have to maintain running a straight line. So that's going to take concentration and body control to run that straight line while turning and pivoting at the hip to look each way while locating a football that's already coming at you and then plucking it out of the air. That is a tough drill. I always wanted to do that drill, but I know I would look absolutely terrible and uncoordinated if I ever tried it. So kudos to these individuals. Other players, though, that I want to go over from the wide receiver position, I think Jahan Dotson, he's another one who's probably going to do really well in the gauntlet drill. He is the wide receiver out of Penn State. He's somebody who's kind of teetering on the first round type of talk right now. I think he could realistically slip into the back end of the first round. Maybe the Kansas City Chiefs want to find somebody that can plug in the slot. I know Dotson played a lot of boundary at Penn State, but I think with his craftiness as a route runner you put him in the slot opposite of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill just stretching the field you could throw in Byron Pringle or Nicole Hardman or whoever at that point that would be really, really dangerous for opposing defenses to try and defend with Pat Mahomes throwing the football. I think Calvin Austin III, the kid out of Memphis, is another player that could just run really, really fast. He was very impressive down at the Reese's Senior Bowl, just blazing past defensive backs. Very, very shifting in space. Should have a really good three cone, and I think he can continue his ascension in the offseason. Now, he's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. He's about 5'7", 170 pounds. He, he's not the big, guy but he can certainly fly I think another player that can fly and he showed this at the senior bowl in one-on-ones and you turn on the tape and you just know his background as a track athlete is Rutgers Bo Melton I think he's somebody who could run a really fast 40 and impress a lot of people and possibly earn himself a draft slot towards the end of the draft as a special teams contributor who could eventually work his way onto the football field other players that are going to be really fast down here is Taquan Thornton at a Baylor? This guy was an incredible track athlete at a Booker T. Washington High School in Miami. He ran a 10-500 meter and a 21:07 200 meter dash. Thornton had 941 yards and 62 catches off 98 targets for 10 touchdowns. For the Baylor Bears. Another player is Michigan State wide receiver Jalen Naylor. Unfortunately, I'm sure Rutgers fans remember him. Guy dropped a three burger on him last year. He's another one who should probably run really fast. Another track star, 10,700, 21,57, 200 meter dash. He had 38 catches, 75 targets. Not a great catch percentage right there, but not a great. Passing situation at Michigan State for 692 yards and six touchdowns. Those two players could be the players that run the fastest 40s. Out of the offense, there's Tariq Wollen for the defense, which we'll go over on another pod, who could break that record realistically. He's a really, really quick player. Other players I like Wandell Robinson out of Kentucky. This is somebody who transferred from Scott Frost's offense at Nebraska to Kentucky to play with Liam Cohn, who was the offensive coordinator of former offensive coach a disciple of sean mcveigh who is now leaving kentucky to go be the offensive coordinator for the los angeles rams Liam comb a bright offensive mind and when you watched kentucky's offense you could see it they had power rushing elements in the sense that you have darian Kennard, you have luke fortner you can bully guys off the ball specifically with canard who was their tackle was their right tackle but they ran some zone, and they like to get the football out of their quarterback's hand quickly. They like to stretch the field. There were a lot of Rams and Sean McVay type of elements with that offense. And Wondell Robinson was the focal point of the offense in 2021. Robinson was targeted 140 times, had 104 catches for 1,342 yards and 7 touchdowns. And I think it's cool to relate Wondell Robinson to Kadarius Toney because there's a lot of cops coming out right now that – they're very similar players and I could see it they have similar builds they're not very big but they have you know solid size They're adequate size they're both very very quick very very shifty I would say Wandell Robinson has better deep speed on tape even though Kadarius Tony has really good deep speed but Kadarius Toney, as shifty as Wondell Robinson is, Kadarius Tony, I think, even has better change of direction than Wondell Robinson. But I could see how the two players are similar. And Wondell, he was just uber-targeted, the focal point of that offense, and I think he can realistically be picked Somewhere in day two, probably earlier in day two, even though, like I said before, this is a deep wide receiver class. Another wide receiver that I haven't gotten to watch yet is Western Michigan Sky Moore. But I'm excited to see how he tests because this is somebody I hear a lot of people raving about. I got to get around to his film at some point. But I hear a lot of good things and there's also a later round guy that I want to discuss and that is Devin Williams out of Oregon. I think this player, he has a similar build and stylistically he is a little bit akin to a player like Drake London, the big receiver. They both have similar builds. I would say Drake London's a little bit bigger. But I think Devin Williams, man, he, from what I've seen from Oregon's offense, he's sudden in and out of his breaks. He may not have that super speed, but if he tests well, does well on the gauntlet, I think he could be that big-bodied X receiver teams might target on day three, which is where he will ultimately go. He only had 35 catches this year for 557 yards, four touchdowns but you throw a jump ball to him, he can use that big body in that big frame. He's listed at 6'5", 207. He'll climb that proverbial ladder and pluck that ball away from that frame. So day three type of pick and one with a good combine who could really interest a lot of teams because of the value that he is going to present. I mentioned Justin Ross before and how he was a potential top pick in a lot of future mock drafts a while back but then he had the back injury to his spine that almost ended his football career he returned was dinged up a little bit with ankle injuries Ross another big body receiver six foot four 210 pounds this combine is going to be really important to him specifically from a medical standpoint I have no gauge on where he is going to end up being selected but still I'm interested to see what his story is and how NFL teams are going to view him with such a extensive medical history. All right, tight ends. Now, this is really important to the New York Giants because the New York Giants got Caden Smith. Probably not going to have Kyle Rudolph too much longer, and I don't believe Evan Ingram is coming back. So New York could be looking at two possible tight end options in the draft or an option in free agency that's cheap and then another tight end. I would be shocked if the Giants don't address the tight end position somewhere in the draft. It's just going to depend on what type of player do you want. Do you want somebody who is an H back, somebody who's going to be off the line of scrimmage, an F back if you want, you know, a sniffer, a move type of tight end? Or do you want a Y tight end, somebody you can put in line? Do you want somebody who can possibly be both? Because I think there are players in this class who fit that. Jeremy Ruckert fits that for me. I think he can be both. You can put him as the H-back. You can put him in line. He's a good enough blocker to do that. He wasn't overly utilized at Ohio State because of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and all of the five-star skilled position players that Ohio State has. But he showed off his natural receiving ability when he was asked at Ohio State. Then he went down to the Senior Bowl and also showed that off I think he's going to do the same here at the Combine, and he could realistically be the first tight end selected. Don't know if ultimately he will be, but I like him as a Y type of tight end who you can move you can play as a big slot you can use as a receiver somebody who knows how to find those soft spots in zone coverage because he's a high processing type of individual so I'm a big fan of what Jeremy Rucker could offer the New York Giants I think Jake Ferguson is another player who's not going to blow the combine up but who is a smart route runner with solid hands I think that's another player to kind of monitor in that Y type of role but if we're looking for the Evan Ingrams of the world and I don't mean that as a slight I mean that as athletic tight ends with a lot of potential. I think you look no further than Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. Likely had 59 catches for 912 yards and 12 touchdowns this past season on 77 targets. Now, I said earlier, Traylon Burks, the wide receiver out of Arkansas, was a biscuit, a biscuit and a half away from being a tight end. Well, Isaiah Likely is a large fart away from being a wide receiver, because at the senior bowl, this guy was six foot four, two hundred and forty-one pounds. He has good length, but that 241 pounds, you put that in line, that, that is not a recipe for success. Now I watched Likely's tape. I think he gives so much effort as a blocker, but where have we heard that before? We've heard that before, Giant fans, so I'm a little bit weary in terms of adding this player and expecting him to fill a Y role. Now, I will say, if you want to add him and use him as a mismatch type of player, something else we heard and it was never optimized with the New York Giants in terms of Evan Ingram, I can be talked into that because I see the raw receiving skills and the really impressive athletic ability that Isaiah likely displays. And I think he's going to be able to do that and show that at the Combine. So he's somebody I'm going to be paying attention to. Just wish he was a little stronger two more athletic tight ends who used to play wide receiver that interest me. One being Greg Dolchik from UCLA and the other being Cole Turner from Nevada. Neither are going to be elite guys in line, but Dolchik, he had... 42 catches on 65 targets for 725 yards and five touchdowns. Went down to the Senior Bowl and was making impressive catch after impressive catch and showing the ability to pluck the ball away from his frame, concentration, making catches through traffic, doing it at all three levels of the field. He was probably, I would say, the tight end at the Senior Bowl that made himself the most money because he was somebody who, I don't want to say was relatively unknown, but he wasn't being discussed with the Trey McBrides, the Jeremy Ruckerts, the Jalen Wide of the world, and now he's moved up because of that senior bowl performance and I think he can continue to build on that because I think he's going to run fast and I think he's going to test well in all the agility drills and all the movement drills and with the lower body explosiveness so I like Dolchik and I think Cole turning maybe a little bit after Dolchik is somebody else who is going to test well and prove that he is a good receiving threat as a tight end now I don't love his inline blocking either But he is somebody who was catching passes from Carson Strong at Nevada, and 93 targets, caught 62 of them for 677 yards, and was a really good red zone threat with 10 touchdowns. He had four games with two touchdowns in 2021 so i look at cole turner and he's somebody who could ultimately go on day three but he could be a big bodied third down red zone type of receiver who can use his big frame his large catch radius to make contested catches he catches and he secures pretty quickly he's not somebody who suffers from too many concentration drops so i think as a later round option that could be somebody to pay attention to as well and he's more than likely going to run fast Jelani Woods from Virginia is another name, somebody who had an excellent east-west shrine game. I haven't seen his tape yet from the Virginia offense, but I just wanted to throw his name out there. And I think the combine is going to be important for three names that are well known. And that is Trey McBride from Colorado State, Jalen Widemeyer from Texas A&M, and Cade Otten from Washington. Now, Cade Otten was not at the Senior Bowl, neither was Jalen Weidemutter. Trey McBride was. And McBride led the nation for tight ends in receiving, had the most receptions. I believe he had 91. He had over 1,000 yards receiving. But when you watch his tape, when you watch him down at the Senior Bowl, he's making contested catch after contested catch. That's great. But why is he making contested catches? That's because he can't create separation on his own. And that's something I think is going to come up in his 40 time. I don't expect him to run an ultra-fast 40-time. I'm not certain where it's going to be exactly, but I don't think it's going to impress relative to a lot of these other tight ends like the ones we just went over or even an Iowa State's Charlie Kohler. Weidemeyer is interesting because Weidemeyer has... If you turn on his highlight film, you can see just impressive catch after impressive catch in traffic, jumping up, high-pointing the ball, climbing the ladder, and you say, okay that's excellent then you turn on his tape and you're like how fast is this guy i don't know how fast this guy is going to run and Then you see the concentration drops and you're like wow this guy drops a lot of passes and i question his athletic ability he's definitely a long strider i'll give him that but how fast is he how fast can he accelerate i felt like he had a lot of catches where he was wide open yeah he made some nice contested catches as well but i felt like he had a lot of catches where he was wide open so Weidemeyer is interesting. If he can come out here and he can run really fast and he looks good in those movement drills, in those 20-yard shuttle, in the three-cone, if he's explosive through his lower half and the broad and the vert, I'll probably be a little higher on him because I'm not done with his film. I haven't watched much of Jalen Weidemeyer. I'm not comfortable with giving a full in-depth analysis of Jalen Weidemeyer. But I saw a lot of people kind of making him a consensus number one tight end in the class, and I'm not sold on that yet. Now, I can get there. definitely can get there. But I think the Combine's going to be big for him. I really do. So that's another name that I wanted to kind of throw out there. He's one of the more discussed tight ends in this draft class. And as for Cade Otten, the guy has great hands from everything that I've seen. And I've heard great things about his blocking from a lot of people that I respect. Got to get my hands on Washington offensive film. But he's built up as his inline blocker and that's something the Giants need so I think that's an interesting player to also look at I don't think he's going to test all that well from everything that I've heard he's not all that explosive he's not straight line fast His change of direction is shoddy at best so we've got to pay attention to players like that because this is somebody who could realistically be a day two pick so when you look in the totality of the tight end position names that I like for the Giants guys that can block but can also be a solid receiver I'm not looking for you know the best receiver in the class but a solid receiver Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin I think both those guys really they can execute both of those roles I think Kate Otten can also fall into that equation I wish Jalen Widemeyer with his frame was a little bit better as a blocker but I didn't really necessarily see that in a limited film that I did see from him but I do like some of these receiving weapons as well Trey McBride's another one who's not the best blocker but a good contested catch type of receiver do you really want that but Dolchik. Cole Turner, that's from UCLA and Nevada respectively. Those are guys that I feel like could be you know, early day three types of picks that the Giants could target. Now on to the offensive line. There are so many offensive linemen that I'm still waiting to watch from an athletic standpoint, from a film standpoint. But I have an idea of some of the guys who are going to probably be the talks of the athletic testing, the underwear Olympics. I think the main thing I want to see in an offensive lineman is Other than the explosiveness drills, is how they react to the coaching. In terms of the mirroring drills, I think that is important. How quick do they move their feet? How fast can they change direction? What's their reactionary quickness when the coach points one way and then points another? Can they quickly shift their weight from one foot to another while staying balanced and low and kind of keeping good posture? All of those things I feel like are important, and that's not necessarily quantifiable like a 40-yard dash time. If you run a fast 40, that's all well and good, but if you are a good football player and you run a slower 40 at the offensive line, I'm not going to ding you too hard for it. So the talk, to me, and to a lot of people I would imagine, of the offensive line group would be Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. I just put a YouTube up on Big Blue View's YouTube page, a like 50-minute breakdown on Charles Cross. I think his footwork, his hips, and all of the athletic traits that he possesses, are eye-opening. I think he could blow up this combine. I really do. That doesn't mean I want the Giants to select him in the top 10. I see some, some really concerning issues. Go check out that YouTube if you haven't yet with Charles Cross and his translation to the NFL. I think he can translate, but it's definitely not a cut and dry type of thing. But in terms of the combine, this is somebody who should kill the combine. Another player that I feel like could do really well is Evan Neal. Now, Evan Neal's gigantic, right? This guy is huge, but he was number one on Bruce Feldman's freak list. This is somebody who is a pretty good athlete despite the fact that he's huge. And I wanna see if that athleticism translates to the combine and if Bruce Feldman was really, you know, on point ranking this guy number one over some just incredible athletes across the college football landscape. Obviously, we're going to look at Akeem Quanu from North Carolina State. We're going to pay attention to all of the top tackles. I think Quanu could be somebody who is going to test well, too. I don't think he's somebody who's going to necessarily be too far behind some of these other really uber-athletic offensive linemen. Other names that I'm interested in paying attention to in terms of the tackles is Daniel Failele out of Minnesota. This is somebody who's six foot eight, three hundred and eighty pounds. What is he going to weigh here? Is it going to be less than what he weighed at the Reese's senior bowl when he showed up there? Six foot eight, three hundred and eighty seven pounds. He's going to try to cut in order to execute better in these tests i'm looking forward to that now i'm not 100 percent certain on Failele's transition into the nfl but if he can look really good in those mirror drills i think that's something that's going to help him can he display the foot quickness i felt like he was beat around the edge a lot in the senior bowl i feel like he's going to struggle with speed at the nfl level but even for six foot eight 387 pounds he moves quick like for that size but can he still be quick enough to be a good right tackle in the NFL that's the question he's somebody who's kind of a fringe first round pick who's kind of teetering between the first and the second round the Giants do overlook the tackle position would they be looking at someone like him or someone like the next player that I'm about to discuss who I think is going to show up to the combine and absolutely blow it up, and that is Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. This is a former tight end who was growing into his body as a tackle. He's not technically refined right now. Sometimes he, from what I've seen, haven't seen enough film, but I've seen people get into his outside shoulder pretty easily using wider angles. I think from an athletic standpoint, from what I've seen from his feet and his hips, it's very, very interesting. You look at his background as a tight end, you know he has the movement skills. We've seen Brian O'Neill make that transition, the former pit tight end who transitioned into tackle and then was a high pick by the Minnesota Vikings. It's doable. And I think Bernard Raymond is somebody who's probably going to be a late one at offensive tackle, who's going to be a little bit of a developmental project early on, but he has immense upside. And I think this event is going to treat him well. I think Nicholas Petet-Freer, out of Ohio State is somebody else who's very athletic and can look really good in underwear doing his drills. I I have some concerns with his overall strength, but that combination of rare athletic ability and overall size and length, that's uncoachable. And you need the strength. You need that core strength to hold up in the NFL. Can that be developed? Does he possess that? Those are all questions that hopefully can be answered with some coaching points on the field. You're not gonna necessarily glean that too much from the bench press. So Patet Freer, he's somebody that I feel like needs to have a good combine athletically because that's his strength. And if he comes up weak on his strength, then his weaknesses will become even more glaring. So I think the combine for somebody like him who is a second round pick around there is going to be important along with a lot of these individuals. But some of the guys who are going to be selected at tackle a little bit, I would say, below the names I've already discussed, like Darre Rosenthal out of Kentucky. I think he's somebody who can have a really good combine. I watched his tape. Technically, it's it's flawed, to be honest. It really is. I had a breakdown about him on Sports Illustrated, if you want to go check it out, Giants Country, Patricia Trana, But you see the athletic ability. And again, you come out here and you think about some of the athletic tackles who were really long and how high they were drafted. And then you look at somebody like Dari Rosenthal, very athletic very long incredibly long arms now he left LSU's program and ended up going to Kentucky there's going to be questions as to why he left and why he vacated LSU he's going to have to answer all those and pass all the checks in terms of the interview process but if he does that and shows that he's athletic he can maybe talk himself into a late day two pick I didn't see that from a technical standpoint on the film that I got to see of Darre Rosenthal but I get the athletic upside and the length. I get all of those arguments. One more tackle I want to mention is Darian Kennard. Can he keep his weight down? He's somebody who is a right tackle at Kentucky. I think he's more than likely going to be kicked inside. But He was about 340 pounds, probably needs to trim a little weight. Not really... The best technically either with his hands and his hand placements and his ability to strike. Now, if he strikes you, it's definitely powerful and you feel it and he has the grip strength. But I feel like he definitely plays with his torso and his chest well in front of his feet. He needs to bring his feet with him. He's a little slow-footed. A little curious to see how he's used at the Combine, how he's viewed. And if he's a little bit slimmer than he was down at the Reese's Senior Bowl. Now, transition quickly to the interior offensive line. Zion Johnson from Boston College. Really intrigued about his athletic profile and what he's going to be able to do. He absolutely killed it at the Senior Bowl, was the practice player of the week. Practiced before practice to take snaps at center so that versatility is there. So I think he's somebody that definitely made himself money at the senior bowl and can do the same here at the combine i want to see how luke fortner out of kentucky we're talking a lot about kentucky offensive linemen i get it i want to see how he tests Cause i saw a pretty good athlete climb to the second level did a good job executing angles locating in space saw somebody who can flip his hips somebody who was quick off the snap somebody who didn't have the ideal strength but he had nfl strength and he's a player that i haven't heard a lot of people talking about i watched this film in like early january because i was watching darian Kennard, and i was like who the heck is this center and i believe i brought that up before, but I want to see how he tests athletically too from all the lower body explosiveness drills. Tyler Lindbaum, very interested to see how he tests because he's somebody who could come in at like 6'2", 290 pounds. That's small. Like that's troubling type of small and he's not going to be on everybody's board or at least not as high as he's projected to go, but he just has to go to one team. One team who's probably going to run a lot of misdirection and zone, a lot of get him into space type of plays. Philadelphia Eagles really fit and they have three first round picks but 290 pounds for a center going up against these guys like Dexter Lawrence who are 340 pounds that's not something a lot of NFL teams are going to love. But technically, from everything I've seen of Linderbaum, he is very, very advanced. I've heard great things about Nebraska's Cam Jurgens as well. Got to get into his tape, but he's somebody else that I've heard a lot of people I respect bring up the fact that he's going to do really well at the Combine. I think Arizona State's Donovan West is another player who could have a really good Combine. He was one of the first offensive lines. I watched the Arizona State offensive line months ago when I started doing the evaluation for Sports Illustrated, and I came away thinking he was a pretty pretty darn good athlete. Here's an excerpt from that scouting report. Overall, West is a great athletic interior offensive lineman who is scheme and position versatile. His foot speed and ability to locate in space will be very valuable at the NFL level. He is not weak by any means. His play strength is solid, but he may struggle with NFL strength. Cleaning up technical issues like a high pad level and consistently driving his feet through his target will help him be more reliable and help those issues. Either way, West has the potential to work his way into a starting role. He is a good value right now as a day three player. So West is somebody that I have interest in seeing how he's going to compete. And one more name I want to bring up is Cole Strange out of UT Chattanooga, a little bit undersized, went down to the Senior Bowl, was hit or miss, but still impressed, was taking snaps, something he didn't do in college because he was exclusively a guard. You want to see smaller offensive linemen like him go to the combine and prove that they're really good athletes. So that would somewhat be their calling card and they can maybe transition to schemes that predominantly require more athletic offensive linemen who move so there's plenty of players I did not go over plenty of players that are wildly interesting and I'm looking forward to the combine we didn't get the combine last year in 2021 with everything going on because of COVID-19 so it was the pro day circuit that everybody paid attention to so it's good to have the combine back in Indianapolis I'll be paying Close attention to it intently, and we'll be right here on Big Blue Banter to cover the combine and cover the standouts who looked good in their underwear, running drills, and trying to separate themselves to get that draft stock a little bit higher because the draft is coming and the coverage is going to be here right here on Big Blue Banter. This is Nick Filato signing off of Big Blue Banter. Please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review, like the podcast, tell us you hate us, but still leave us a five star. And please, Head on over to the YouTube, just called Big Blue Banter, and head on over to our Instagram, which is at nybigbluebanter. We have a little bit of help coming for our Instagram, which should be posting a little bit more right now. So please enjoy that. Please hit the follow button, and also just have a lovely day. Be safe and enjoy the combine. We should be coming real soon with a quick defensive breakdown as well.